um, everybody has their own style, right? So it's the same when you share. And tonight, what I wanted to talk to you about is something God has been really working on my heart, and I love to share from where God has been taking me, right? So tonight, we're going to talk about how pliable are you to perspective shift. We'll see how I can say this. So she can go ahead. Oh, but I forgot my video, didn't I, Miss Heidi? That's what she's patiently waiting on. But that's what we're going to watch. We're going to watch a video. And this guy, I have seen his videos different times. He's a uh, street chalk artist. But he creates it so your perspective is shifted, right? So it looks like something is there that's not really there. Okay, so it's just a short video just to kind of lead us into. I just wanted you to see um, he, he's an amazing artist, but let's see what happens here.
it's definitely a perspective thing, right? Because all of those items are actually flat, but it can shift your perspective when something is done to it, correct? So we're going to talk a little bit about that, and because I'm a kids pastor, I always have to bring fun things to the service, right? So I bring videos and object lessons, and but who doesn't like to learn from things, right? So I have some things with me tonight, and uh, so we can all see this, right? What is it? A lion. But when you turn it, now what does it look like? A mouse or a rabbit. I've seen all different things, right? Let's try this one. This is like the hard one. I tried it on some of the staff today. <laughs> so what's this one? I don't know. From back there, it might be harder to see. It could be an eagle. A goat or a giraffe was kind of. Now what do you see? A seal. I don't know if the bat can see it. I'm trying. You can play later. We can work out. All right, this is my favorite one. It's a dog with a bone, right? Nope. It's a man. Right? And listen, the picture didn't change, right? What, what changed? The perspective of it, right? And you know what? This is what God has been stirring in me is am I pliable for a perspective shift? And what I mean by that is, am I so stuck in my human point of view that I can't see God's, right? So are we kind of like a rock? Rocks aren't very pliable. I mean, if you worked really hard, you could make something cool out of a rock, right? It, but it might shatter as you're trying to work on it. But what we want our hearts to be and what God wants our hearts to be is like Play-Doh. It's very pliable and easy to change and shift and move um, in the right direction, right? And uh, so that's what he's called us. That's what he's talked to us about. And so a couple of weeks back, the beginning of October, I was taking a walk out here um, on my break at church on the sidewalks heading towards Pizza Hut. And um, I was on my way down, and it was like kind of dark and gloomy, kind of cloudy. I was glad to be outside, but it didn't look real great, right? Um, and when I got to Pizza Hut, I turned around to head back, and it was like a completely different world. It was like blue skies, shining sun, the trees were popping. It was like beautiful. And that's when God dropped that word in my heart. He said, perspective, right? And I'm like, this is like, I'm in the same spot all I did was turn, and everything that I was seeing, I'm seeing in a different way now, right? God shifted that perspective. And so I don't know about you, but, but when God drops something into your heart, you're like, okay, I want to know what you're talking about here. I want more, God. I want to hear what you're saying. And um, so just asking him for more. And, and the next day, of all places, I'm scrolling through Facebook, right? God uses Facebook, if you don't believe that. He does. There's a lot of not nice stuff. But I was scrolling through, and um, there's a lady on there who's a pastor's wife friend of mine in Millersburg. And she had a post on there that she had reposted from October 4th, 2019. Well, October 4th was the day I was taking the walk out there. And I am not lying. I even saved the post. I could show you afterwards. It said, it said on there, it said, 
how is your perspective today? And she said, when I was on this walk, I was seeing all the clouds this direction, and she took a picture. And then how it, she turned, and the sky was completely different the other direction. Right? Exactly what God had just shown me. And I'm like, okay, I know that you're trying to tell me this for a reason, right? God wants me to check my perspective. And a lot of times, um, you know, when God is really showing me something like this, it's so funny how then pastor's like, so could you do a Wednesday night service? And you're like, yeah, I know what I'm supposed to share on. <laughs> I already got it. But I knew that God was saying, for me and for you guys tonight, he wants to talk to you about a perspective shift. Because, you know, listen, when God wants to show you something and he begins to show you over and over and over and over, you listen, right? So I continued listening, and uh, then the next day I was just reading during my Bible time, and um, this verse came up, Matthew 16, 23, and it says, Jesus turned to Peter and said, get away from me, Satan. You are a dangerous trap to me. You are seeing things merely from a human point of view, not from God's. And it was that same drop. That's perspective. He is seeing things. Now listen, Peter loved God fully loved Jesus. He believed in Jesus, 100% believed in Jesus. What was wrong here was his perspective on the situation. His view in that situation was wrong. And Jesus was like, listen, I know who's working through you right now, and Satan, get away. And he began to tell him, he said, your view is from a human view, not from God's. Because God just doesn't say get away. He says, well, let me tell you why. Because what you see right now isn't what I'm doing. And he begins to help him shift, right? He begins to explain to him that his per, uh, perspective was a little off. And so this began to just stir in me. And so as I began to look into the scriptures, I was looking to see with that filter where there was perspective shifts, where there was a shift in the view right? Because that's what perspective is. It's a shift in the view. It's a shift in what you're looking at and focusing on. And um, of course, if you look in the Bible for that, it's like everywhere. <laughs> like every person that's affected by God has a shift in what they're looking at. But the two people that I want to talk about tonight that I really um, just see how God works so amazingly and teaches us so much through his word is with the rich young ruler and with Rahab who was um, the Canaanite harlot in Jericho. And so first we're going to go um, read through the rich young ruler. So I'm just going to read through the whole story, and then I'm going to go back and, and break, you, break it down and walk it through you. I cannot talk tonight. Walk through it with you. You know what I'm saying, so we're okay. All right, and I'll try to slow down a little. So this is in Matthew 19. Um, I do the NLT version um, because I like how it reads. Um, sometimes I switch, I like ESV too, but for, just so you guys know, everything I'm doing tonight is with the NLT version, New Living Translation. So it says, someone came to Jesus with this question, teacher, what good deed must I do to have eternal life? Why ask me about what is good? Jesus replied, there is only one who is good. But to answer your question, if you want to receive eternal life, keep the commandments. Which ones, the man asked, and Jesus replied, you must not murder, you must not commit adultery, you must not steal, you must not testify falsely, 
honor your father and mother, love your neighbor as yourself. I've obeyed all these commandments, the young man replied. What else must I do? Jesus told him, if you want to be perfect, go and sell all your possessions and give the money to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come, follow me. But when the young man heard this, he went away sad, for he had many possessions. Then Jesus said to his disciples, I tell you the truth, it is very hard for a rich person to enter the kingdom of heaven. I'll say it again. It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. The disciples were astounded. Then who in the world can be saved, they asked. Jesus looked at them intently and said, humanly speaking, it is impossible. But with God, everything is possible. I love that last line because we've quoted a lot, but let's just talk about how that's a perspective shift right there. Humanly speaking, it's impossible. What view are you looking at, right? But we're going to go back and we're going to go through this real quick, uh, just a side note, because that camel part can throw a lot of people sometimes. Um, that is talking about the gate into the city. Sometimes they called that um, the eye of the needle. And for uh, a camp, actually, it's the part beside the gate to the city. So if the, the gates were closed, there's a little door beside the city, right? And they would need to go through there. Well, a camel would have to get down on its knees and literally almost crawl through that little tiny door to get into the city after those big gates were closed for the night. So it was a very, very difficult thing for a camel to do, but it could be done. And that's what Jesus was referring to there. I'm not really using that in tonight, but I just wanted to throw that out because sometimes you hear that and you're like, we know what an, our needles are like. This, you know, you sew with them and there's no way a camel's going through that, you know. But that he was referring to something in their custom, in their area, that it was possible, but it was very difficult. So that's what he's talking about there. And even tonight, even though this story is usually used with um, like the love of money or loving the possessions more than Jesus. That's not really the focus I'm going to take it on tonight. Um, so in this first part, let me get to my notes here. So he was rich. He was young. We know that. He was a synagogue leader. So we also know that when he's saying he's followed these commands, his blameless life um, can be recognized because he was a synagogue leader and he would not be a synagogue leader if he hadn't been doing the things he was supposed to be doing. And during this time, think about it, with Jesus, Pharisees were not coming to him and running and falling at his feet, right? They were critiquing him and trying to get him thrown in prison and mocking him and they were not the ones that were coming to Jesus. And so when this guy comes running and falls at the feet of Jesus and openly asks for how he can get to eternal life, I'm sure the disciples were like, thank you, Lord. Like, he's going to get saved. Like, you know, they're like rejoicing, right? Thinking it's so exciting. But that wasn't God's perspective on the situation. Yes, it was a gift that he had come to Jesus. It showed that his heart was soft to God. It showed that his heart was willing to listen. Um, in verse 16 and 17 there, it says, when he comes, he said, teacher, what good deed must I do to have eternal life? What good deed must I do to have eternal life? Do you hear what's wrong in that question? What must I do? 
to have eternal life. And that's why Jesus gives his, his answer there. You guys got it. He says, why are you asking me about what's good? Like, you don't need to figure that out. Like, you don't have to be good enough. There's only one who's good, is what Jesus says. And, and so right there, he sees, he knows, and he's trying to shift this man's perspective. Jesus loves this man. In Mark's account, it says he loved him right in there. Jesus wanted this man's eyes to be shifted from what, where he was at, his human point of view of, I have to do good things in order to get to heaven. And so, of course, the man doesn't quite get it, right? He doesn't understand. And that's the thing with perspective, because if our perspective is wrong, it's not going to be obvious to us. Unfortunately, we won't see it. We won't be like, oh, that's where I'm wrong. Let me go fix that, right? That doesn't work that way. Okay, that's like, I feel like perspective is like me trying to fix a car because I know nothing about car. I know how to put the gas in the car, okay? That's all I got. And if something is wrong with that car, I don't know how to fix it. Sometimes I don't even know there's something wrong with the car until it stops running, right? And that's how it is sometimes with our perspective. So he shares, Jesus goes on to share with him some commandments, right? Because the rich young ruler, he's not getting it. And he says, Jesus says, but to answer your question, because that's how Jesus is, even when we're not getting it, he goes with us wherever we're at to bring us along. He's like, okay, they he didn't get that I was telling him he doesn't have to do things. So now let's keep going. But to answer your question, if you want to receive eternal life, keep the commandments. And the guy's like, oh. Which ones? Like, just tell me, I'll do it, right? And Jesus says, you must not murder, you must not commit adultery, you must not steal, you must not testify falsely, honor your father and mother, and love your neighbor as yourself. So the commandments, if you notice, that he used there are not all the commandments about him and God. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, um, no idols before him, remember the Sabbath, all those ones that are between you and God. Every commandment he quoted is between him and other people. And he even ends with what the Bible says is the second most important commandment, which is love your neighbor as yourself. Why didn't he list out the other ones? Why didn't he put the ones in there about him and God? Well, it doesn't specifically tell us, but, but what I pull from this is that Jesus was trying to shift his perspective, right? So he's going to focus on the area where that guy's not seeing with God's viewpoint right now. Somebody is calling me. Can you believe that? I'm sorry, I can't answer your phone call right now. All right. But God will focus on the areas that he sees that we're struggling and try to help point it out to us, okay? And that's what he was doing here. He was saying, you know, I know, I can see that you have a love for God. Look, you're a synagogue leader, right? You wouldn't have given your life to something if you could have cared less about God, right? He wouldn't have become a synagogue leader. Now, could he have done it for fame and being important? Yeah, that's true, too. But that's not what God focused on here. What he focused on was you and other people. Is it important to you to um, uh, be important? <laughs> Does that make sense? So is it important to him to be um, appealing and famous and all those things? You love God, but are you loving others in what you do? 
So he says, love your neighbor as yourself, right? And, and we see later on that money and the love of things is really what turns him, and he can't do it. But I feel like if he could have had a love for people that was stronger than a love for things, he would have shifted. Do you see the difference there? He would have realized that there was something greater. And so Jesus is still, he's working with this guy, right? He's trying very hard to help him shift his perspective because Jesus loves all of us. He loves the person that's not getting it, right? Thank goodness, right? Because we've all been there where we haven't gotten it before. And so he, again, you know, sometimes um, we need Jesus and we need others to be blunt to help us make the shift. Let's just be honest. Sometimes we need them in our face. You know what? I wouldn't be a good uh, Christian sister to you guys if I saw you doing something wrong and just walked away. How is that going to help you grow in Jesus? Right? I wouldn't want you guys to walk away from me if I'm doing something. Tell me. Right? Point it out. Maybe I don't even see what's going on, and I need somebody else. And so Jesus at this point, he says, I tell you the truth. Nope, he doesn't say that. He says, if you want to be perfect, he does say that, but later. If you want to be perfect, go and sell all your possessions and give the money to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come follow me. Right? Jesus is like, listen, you're not getting anything else I'm saying, so I'm just going to lay it out there. Sell everything you have. Come follow me. That's what I want you to do. And at this point, the guy's like, I can't do that. Give the money to the poor? Okay, wait, is that somebody else that I'm supposed to love? Am I supposed to love my neighbor before me? Wait, God, I don't think that I can give up everything I have to give it to somebody else. Oh, Jesus hit it, right? That perspective was there, that human viewpoint. But what I want you to also see is that if he would have shifted from going this way and then turned this way, everything he held so dear and so close would not have mattered, right? Because he would have seen it in a completely different way. He would have realized who he was in God, how much he has in God, and who cares what all that other stuff was. But it takes that turn, and that turn is hard sometimes. It's scary. It's not something we're used to in different situations. And unfortunately, he didn't make that shift, and he left sad. He wasn't angry. The Bible doesn't say he was mad at Jesus and stomped off. It says he was sad. He did love God. I truly believe he did. But he couldn't see God's viewpoint and why he needed to do what God was asking. And that's where he uh, lost that perspective shift. The other thing that I want to point out is when we decide to not turn to God, to not change our focus in all different areas. I'm not just talking about like big things like salvation or, you know, of course, that's the big life change, right? Life and death. But, you know, something at work, finances, illness, things going on. Those are all perspective shifts that sometimes we get stuck looking one way and we can't get ourselves to move, right? So I bet this synagogue leader had family that knew what he was doing that watched this happen. He had neighbors. They saw his intentional choice to not 
follow what God was asking him to do. And unfortunately, when that happens, then the enemy is able to sneak in and work things that we don't want him to do in our families and in our churches and in our friends' lives. And it was because of that one man's choice. Our choices to do this don't just affect us. Our perspective shifts when we change to focusing on God in every single thing, it affects everybody around us. We are a body. We're not one person, right? What I do affects Heidi. What I do affects Debbie. It affects Wade. It affects every person. And I got to have your back. Man, I got to do it for me, but I got to do it for all of you guys. I got to love my Jesus and listen to what he's saying and follow him. It's not just for me. So the other thing I wanted to share was um, from uh, Rahab, and I'm not going to read through the the whole thing tonight, um, but it's in Joshua 2. If you would like to go back and read it later, that's the story of Rahab. And um, she had a very different viewpoint than everyone in Jericho, right? She, uh, she had a very different perspective. She was a Canaanite prostitute. She had grown up in there worshiping idols and carvings and, you know, all the stuff, the dead relatives and all the things, right? She had grown up in that atmosphere. That was what she knew. All right, so how in the world did she have a perspective shift? Well, if you read the account of it, when the spies come in, um, they came in and she had them come into her house, right? And she kept them safe. And she told the spies, she's like, listen, we have heard about your God, right? We've heard that the sea parted and you walked through on dry land. We heard that you took out the two Amorite kings. Like, we're shaking in our boots. <laughs> we are scared. And I think prior to those spies coming, Rahab had decided, you know what? My gods are nothing compared to this guy. He is the real deal. And her perspective had already begun to shift because God had begun to speak to her heart. Now, God spoke to every person there. They all heard the same things, right? But she was the one that made the choice to turn. Because of her making that choice to turn, those spies were kept safe. Her family was kept safe, right? And they were delivered and able to go with Israel. She was put into the genealogy of Jesus, right? Because she chose to make a turn, and it was probably not an easy one. Everybody else in that whole city she was walled in with <laughs> did not believe in the one true God, right? But when you make the shift and you see it God's way, you're not going back. It's completely different. It's completely changed. Even if it's hard, you can do it because you see it through God's eyes. So, God, we want your perspective, right? But how do we get there? Especially because we don't know what it is sometimes. It's not obvious to us. So I love the verse in Romans, and I know you guys have heard this, um, but I just want to read through it. Because in light of what we're talking about, um, I think I put it on there, Heidi. Nope, okay, I'll just read it. It's Romans 12, um, verses 1 through 4. And it says, and so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he has done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. Okay, now listen. 
Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. Because of the privilege and authority God has given me, I give each of you this warning. Don't think that you are better than you really are. Be honest in your evaluation of yourselves, measuring yourselves by the faith God has given us. Just as our bodies have many parts and each part has a special function, so it is with Christ's body, we are many parts of one body and we all belong together. He says, you got to get with me. <laughs> That's how you're going to see. That's how you're going to know. You, the only way for your mind to change and to see his good, pleasing, and perfect will is to get with Jesus. You got to be in his word, right? You got to keep going after him. You got to talk to him. You got to listen. Listening is the hard part for me. Sometimes I like to talk. <laughs> but you have to just listen and just listen and listen some more and read and listen. We need, I will say especially now, we need Jesus's view. We need his view on what to do in this life. We need his truth to move forward. We get stuck and we're like, I don't know what I'm supposed to do. Okay, no, that's not where Christians are supposed to be right now. We need God's view. We need his perspective, his focus, to know where he's going and to see it and to go after it. Remember, perspectives are not always huge things, right? We always, like I said earlier, lean like life or death salvation. But please remember, it could be a situation with a coworker, with a child, with a parent, with a friend, right? It could be a really bad situation that you don't even see how God's in it. Or it could just be something you don't even know and God wants you to change it, right? Like Matt's job, the one a couple years back got totally, he lost his job and we're like, what is happening here? Like this was a good job, he's had it for 20 years. God had a pers perspective shift and wanted him somewhere else, but we didn't know that, right? Sometimes it's things you don't know. And so when you are with God and you're walking with him and you're following him, even the smallest things, right? Like I've started when I'm walking, um, taking my walks or I'm at the grocery store or even driving and I see somebody, I'm immediately praying for that person because my path did not cross with them for no reason, right? God puts us in those places, even if it's not for a conversation, but to just pray for them because you don't know where that person's headed at that moment, Right, You could be the person that's praying for them to find Jesus or to be safe or to not be in that car accident. You don't know, but God does. His view matters. And so when we begin to bring him into every situation, every part of our lives, that's when we begin to see it. And it's like when I turned and saw those trees were beautiful. Wait, I had just seen those trees going this way, but I didn't notice them. No, but now that I've turned and there's that bright light, I see everything differently. That's what God wants, right? So we need to focus on him. I want to leave you with a story, and then I have um, a song. Just um, You guys might have heard this song, but a couple weeks back, Wayne was with us at Celebration Tour, and um, it's where our area pastors come together, and they played this song, and it's called um, I Speak Jesus. And that's what we need, right? We just to speak Jesus.
into every situation, over our family, over addiction, over this world. We need his viewpoint. And so after I share this last story with you, um, we're going to play this song. And I just want you, before you leave tonight, just to take a few minutes and speak Jesus into whatever situation, whatever thing you have going on. If you're like, I don't even know what to pray for, speak it anyways. Because he does, right? He knows. So I was um, doing um, some video training this week um, because it's good to train yourself, right? And uh, I could always be a better kids pastor and a leader. And the gentleman, Kelly Preston, shared this story, and it just blew me away. So there was a gentleman in a small town, and um, he was retired, but his job every night um, because they had train tracks in their little town and they didn't have any signals or anything there. So he would sit at the train tracks with his lantern and when the train was coming, which he knew because of the times, he would go out and he would wave the lantern until the train had gone past to make sure that cars knew that there was a train going by. And so this night he had, he had come out and he was sitting there and he, you know, he felt the, the tracks begin to rumble. He knew the train was coming. But he could see in the distance that there was a car coming, right, with a family, a mom and dad and the kids. And he could see them coming. And so he gets out his lantern, and he's out there, and he starts waving it, right? And he's waving it, and he's waving it, getting their attention, trying to get them to focus on him and not whatever they're doing. And they're not slowing down, and they're not stopping. And he feels that train. He knows it's getting closer and closer. And... Uh, as he's doing this, they're still not stopping. And he is just waving frantically, jumping up and down, trying to get them to stop until the last moment when he has to jump out of the way so he doesn't get hit by this car and he hears the most horrific noise and most awful situation that we would never, ever want to happen. And this family was hit by the train and all of them were killed. And so then this uh, gentleman was just, you know, it was weighing on him, right? He knew he had been out there. He knew he waved the lantern. People are telling him, it's okay, buddy. You did what you were supposed to do. So the time came because, of course, you know, they have to do the investigations and different things. And um, he shared his side of the story and what he had done. And uh, then they had this other gentleman come up to the stand. And he was a guy who lived close to the train tracks. And he said, you know, I don't even want to share this, but I need to because I need, you know, to tell you what happened. And he said, I was out on my porch that night, and I was watching the situation. And I saw him get out there and pull his lantern out and start waving it. But what he didn't realize was that the light in his lantern had gone out. And the thing that I don't want to happen to us is that we're frantically trying to bring people into Jesus, but because we won't stay with Jesus, our light grows dim and they miss it, right? We're part of a body. We're part of a group that works together. We're part of a, a group that loves Jesus, and we got to keep going, and we got to be willing to listen and change every little thing he asks us to do because he might say, change the light bulb in your lantern, you know? And it could have prevented something that night. And so tonight I'm just going to have Heidi play this video for us. And I'm just, I'm going to let you sit. I will pray at the end of it um, and then let you uh, 
just go on out and let Jesus change you, right? That's what we want. Go ahead, Heidi. Shout Jesus from the mountains, Jesus in the streets, Jesus in the darkness over every enemy. Jesus for my family, I speak the holy name, Jesus. Shout Jesus from
specifically that God would bring exactly who you wanted to hear this tonight. And I'm telling you, if you're here, it's because God wants to do more in you. You are his, you are loved, and he is challenging you tonight. Go deeper. Look for the shift. Look for the change, because I have called you to make a difference in this world. I have called you to have the backs of your family, to have the backs of other believers. I have called you to go out in my name and see things change. And God, tonight I just thank you for your word. I thank you that you equip us and you help us. Just like that young ruler, God, You, when we're not getting it, you're going to be there. And you're going to help us. And God, we choose tonight you. We choose to speak the name of Jesus. We choose to go deeper in you, God. I thank you that we are going to hear amazing reports of what you are doing in the streets and in our homes and in our workplaces. Because we are listening and we are striving to follow you, your focus, your view. God, I pray that you continue to bless this group, that they know your favor, that they know when their hand touches something that it prospers. I pray that, God, they would see your goodness and have your wisdom and your truth and your direction. God, I thank you for this group of people that loves you. In Jesus' name, amen. You're welcome to stay and pray, and you are welcome to head on your way and change the world, right?